Welcome everyone to the Cowgirl Channel of Canada. We're excited to share with you some amazing stories that will inspire and motivate you from Canadian cowgirls all across our beautiful country. Showcasing Canada's most experienced cowgirls to up and coming young women in the cowgirl industry. We will be featuring women in all aspects of the Western industry, from ranching to arts and entertainment, to women that can do all things cowgirl and with a cowgirl spirit. A place to share knowledge of some amazing women and to honor the way of the Canadian cowgirl. Welcome everyone to the second episode of the Cowgirl Channel of Canada. We're so excited to share with you this special interview with one very special Canadian cowgirl, Mona Lewis. Mona grew up in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, a place that will take your breath away. Horses are simply her life and still are to this day. Mona became a full-time coach and trainer at the early age of 18. Mona also became very passionate about learning the discipline of reining. Mona's love of teaching grew and she is well known for coaching some of the best riders in the Maritime provinces today. Mona and her husband, Dan, built a beautiful stables in the Cockheath Hills of Cape Breton, where they still live today. In 1997, Mona took her Jay's Flashy Jack to the NRHA for charity. That is a career highlight and something only some of us dream of achieving. Mona has ridden and trained with some of the greats over the years and continued to compete in reigning, achieving some amazing accomplishments throughout her competitive years. In 2014, placing eighth at the finals at the NRAJ standings. She's a certified level two Western performance coach, clinician and equine judge, passionate and full of knowledge, a true iconic forewoman in the Canadian equine industry. Please welcome my dear friend, Mona Lewis. today great i'm great sun is shining and it's a good day right there's horses it's a good day <laughs> oh that's so true yeah it's uh, i really appreciate you asking me to do this i'm a little bit nervous and uh, uh hearing you say all that stuff it's like who are you talking about you know <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. uh, I've been in this horse game a long time, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a blessing. Yeah, so some some of the things that, like, we're, we're really excited to have you on here, and one of the reasons that I had reached out to you is because we have a little tiny bit of history, you and I. I've been out to your farm, and... Uh, you know one of the things like that i said to a previous guest is that we all find each other uh, us women and uh, us uh, equestrians and us um canadian cowgirls we find each other in in different ways in life sometimes it's in the darkest times of our lives and sometimes it's in the, the brightest most amazing ways so how you and i already had we already met at one point uh, down the road when i came out to your place and i had no idea at the time when I came out to uh, meet you, the presence I was in, this wonderful woman that's done so much in the equine industry, I was like, woohoo! When I started looking up stuff on you, I was like, wow, this lady has done stuff. You could teach me any day. So um, we're just gonna, I'm gonna ask you a couple questions. Like, tell us a little sure. bit about your history, because I know uh, you started off into the horse world, the equine world, like at a very, very early age, like most of us do. Um, and so just tell us a little bit about your family and that first start of your first horse. Well, 
I started riding when I was about four years old. My father had got me a, a really nice pony, and uh, awesome. Uh, he uh, he was a really good pony, and we ended up going uh, when I was five, going to all the exhibitions. He would haul myself and my brother to all the exhibitions. There was no such thing as horse shows back then. Yeah. This is back in like 1962-ish. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, he, we used to go to the, the, the exhibitions in Charlottetown and at the Halifax Winter Fair when it was held in downtown Halifax. And, and uh, they were really great memories. My, my parents, we didn't have a whole lot, but they, they sure made, you know, they'd bring our friends with us and we, we had great memories of, of horse shows back then, awesome. or exhibitions. Yeah, yeah. My parents were, were uh, weren't horse people as such. My okay. mom's children, uh, Marjorie Smith. She has a she had a she's passed on a couple years ago, but she had a lot to do with my start. She uh, you know she had a horse, and her daughter had a horse. And we, my cousin uh, Kim Beaton, and she uh, we you know we we traveled and showed horses together as little girls just with their pony yeah so wow. that's uh, that's kind of how i got hooked it just became part of life yeah and so it was it was initially it was really your dad that 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 uh introduced you to that first horse and then and that so i mean at four years of age you I mean it's it's impossible for you to look back and remember anything without a horse right yeah yeah right? well my my sister's mayor when i was about eight or nine years old my sister's mayor had a had a foal and i remember going on a rainy morning up to the barn and dad tell me that it was mine and uh, so anyway, he helped me train it in his best way, you know, with peppermints yeah. or whatever. But anyway, he helped me get on her, and I, I was training horses at the age of ten. Wow! Yeah. Oh my gosh, she, that's uh, she went on to be quite a horse as well. Wow! Wow! That's that's so cool. And you know, it's it's funny, like because I had mentioned too, like uh, in talking to some of these women that I'm talking to in the equine industry. Uh, one of the things that's there that I'm noticing now just getting started is that uh, that part about it being like um, you know the the cowgirl up kind of thing with the dad and and uh, the in some form you're you're like for me personally like my father has been a huge influence in my uh, you know yes. upbringing on the farm and having animals around and you learn I think they, they, your parents teach you a certain thing. When you grow up on a farm, it's a blessing, right? Because you you yeah. learn how to handle hard times, right? Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, your parents are a big part of it, right? Yeah. Oh, there's not a day that goes by when I don't hear his words about something yeah. or he's not mentioned. And of my mom, too, but, but dad was, uh, you know, always teaching me things. Yeah. Wow. And uh, I was pretty lucky. Wow, and so that's so, you, so you're you're at you're at four. You've got your first horse. You're going to expos expositions. You're uh, ten years old. You're training your first horse with your father, and then so uh, the next part of your life, you are at the, like an early age, at the early age of eighteen years old, and you're a full-time coach and a trainer at uh, Burnside Stables. Uh, right. Tell me, tell me, how did that kind of come into play? Was it something like? you approach them or did they approach you or um no well actually just to go back a little bit i guess i was around 13 14 where marjorie the lady i spoke about earlier she had got myself and some of my horsey friends a job like a grant to travel around and teach people you know other kids to ride in all the different counties here in cape breton 
Cool. So with that, I, I got the experience of, of teaching people and of having fun and mm-hmm. just, it was just all positive. And then uh, when that had stopped, I, I, I wanted to continue. So I just kept teaching. And um, uh, the, my uh, Pat now in Henderson owned a, an arena up the road, just up the road from our old barn. And they said, if you want to fix it up, you go right ahead. It's yours huh. to use. So, wow. So I work, worked at Burnside and uh, for 10 years. And uh, that, I think that, that, you know, that got me into the business and, getting to make some connections and it is a school of hard knocks for sure you know <laughs> training horses and being dragged around and mucking stalls till midnight you know you, you, you got to go through that to, yeah. to get to the other end for sure yeah. yeah yeah and then so i mean and that's wonderful like i mean so you like basically it was just it it, it just kept evolving and i mean by the time you actually turned you know into adulthood you had already had all these years in your life your late your early lifetime experience already into horses in such a big big way so you know and you then you moved into uh the competitive um aspect of of uh riding and um you you became more of a a coach that that actually turned out some uh, really great riders in the maritime provinces and um, people to this day uh you know that that i know personally and i've left newfoundland now for uh, you know a long time i still have people out there that know and speak your name quite highly so yeah i think i was 18 and i got on a plane and flew to newfoundland and (laughs) did my first clinic i was i was so nervous and flying on an airplane you know by myself it was was quite an experience (laughs) i love it over there yeah yeah no no and so and so that's great so like it really has been that it's it's true that like some people get involved in horses or the horse industry in some form um at a different point in their lives but you've actually it's been something that just it it, it is your life you know yeah um and so what what was some of the other things that happened like when you got into your early adulthood and you got out competing what was that like well um i when i was at burnside i I ended up becoming partners with a horse named happy copper and he was a uh, appendix quarter horse and he was a little bit ahead of his time he was such a fluid mover it was back in the day when they were still the bulldog type of quarter horses anyway we got to show him like in scowhee in maine and these places and we could see this horse was he was a really really good horse he would win western pleasure and like hunter under saddle and he uh, he was really a, a great horse so their daughter rode rode him and uh, we ended up going to Cordorama and she she won and we we had some great uh, placings at the you know Cordorama like that would have been in 84 and 85 wow. great experience of showing you know in uh, in downtown Toronto okay and then uh, then from there uh, all along I always had a little you know, feel for the reining and the Western riding. But at that point in my life, I was heavy into the English riding. Oh, wow. And then, uh, so then uh, I guess I got a couple, you know, training horses, you, you, you start trying to figure things out. And I got involved in the coaching program in the early 80s through the Nova Scotia Equestrian Federation. And uh, I remember riding with uh, or taking a test or something with the uh, Collins was his name. Anyway, his uh, he said, "Listen, he said you're a good rider, but keep going. Just keep learning. Take as many clinics as you can, yeah. and 
I, I couldn't I couldn't get enough. Right. I just kept on. So I started bringing, and, and then, then of course I, I you know I got married, and and then uh, uh, I had a beautiful son, and uh, you know we we ended up building the business. My husband came home from the armed forces to to start the business with me. Okay. And uh, he we ended up. Uh, uh, building an indoor arena, we we're going to all we we're going to have ten horses. And at one point, we were up to forty-four horses at one time. Wow! It just, it just, it just went crazy. So, but I learned that, and a little bit of advice that big is not always better. You're better to keep it smaller, and, and uh, if you just get overworked and and uh, keep it smaller, it was, was a lot. Like, I mean, I used to, you know, be doing stalls, giving lessons, riding horses till midnight every night for so long trying to raise a family it was just a lot of work yeah well <laughs> it's 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 the way of the cowgirl it's it's our lives too right and that's that's definitely a part of it it's it's it becomes your lifestyle it's it's a way of living it's not a hobby as some people uh think and you do it part-time and you can shut all that down those animals have to be fed and they have to be cared for and then if you're passionate about stuff so i'm just going to step back into a little bit what what you talked about there uh just for other people that are listening our audience could you explain a little tiny bit more about the reigning discipline? And the reason I'm asking you is because we're going to have a different variety of people uh, from arts and entertainment to ranch riders and beef owners and so forth with women on this on this uh, uh, channel. But for for what you're what you what you've been involved in, and because you have such a behind the scenes, um, I guess personal take on it, can you tell the audience just in general why you got passionate about reigning and what reigning is? Just a little bit about the discipline. Well, the, the reason was I, I couldn't get enough about training horses. And as I trained horses, I wanted to know how to get them to do more things and, and in a way that, you know, it's not forced or anything. But so through riding with some great trainers, I got to learn how, how the horse thinks, what to do when the horse does a certain thing and why it does it and that sort of thing. So what I find that the reining is kind of like your, you know, a higher, high level of, of, of riding where you have to re to be able to get the horse to do all those maneuvers like to run it at a controlled speed into a top speed and just with a you know movement of the seat or a little bit of rain then whoa they'll slide stop like drive their two hind feet into the ground and slide or or spin like on their two hind legs but it's all done very you know very you have to get it so that the horse knows that uh, he's doing it for you you're not forcing the horse to do it the horse has to do maneuvers that are very similar where it originated was um, the maneuvers were originated from uh, when the cowboys used to work cattle and you know see my horse it can turn this way this quick and turn that way this quick and and uh, I was just intrigued with how you can get the horse to do these things so willingly mm -hmm. and that's what a reigning horse is it's willingly guided and uh, that that's why I chose that and, it, and from it it helped with all my other disciplines and I you know I, I would still be teaching I, I mean, I've done barrels and and uh, hunter and, and uh, ranch riding and stock horse you know all the, the events but the, the reigning is just horse training it's just getting your horse real broke Wow. Yeah. I, I you know what? Like just listening to you talk about that, I just totally forgot what we're doing. Uh, for for just a minute, I forgot what we're doing because I was like, <laughs> but the thing is too for me specifically is that I got that 
I got that itch back in when I first started off as a trainer and I think that's that's one of those things that um, I love about the discipline about reigning specifically is that willingly guided and uh, you know that willing partner and stuff and when you get to an understanding of the maneuvers and you get to an understanding of what that discipline can offer you with your horse as a team then you start to realize that it's more than that it's it's more than just um, training it becomes such a dance right it just really is oh, yeah. a dance yeah yeah and I, I was lucky enough to um, you know I, I brought in uh, uh, trainers here to my place which I recommend with anyone starting out I I brought uh, Francois Gauthier at the time I was still in Quebec and then uh, he would come here and and then uh, we you know my students and I would train with him and then eventually I said a real turning point in my life was when uh, I was at a clinic with him and we're looking at videos of Colts and uh, a track by the way <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I said Francois I would really love to be able to do this I would love to be able to you know go to Congress or go to you know the world show or the fraternity and Francois said and he's a very quiet man and he just shrugged his shoulders and his French accent and he said I don't see why not mm -hmm. and I couldn't sleep that night I was so excited I was going to do this thing I was yeah. going to take buy a cold from him and take it to somewhere anyway I ended up going I bought a cold and with, with the help of, uh, and I had another trainer that used to come to my place, was uh, Vern, Vern Persia. He was originally then from Lushja, but he's now in Austria. Okay. And uh, he was uh, he was great to, to, to help me and teach me to train and understand things. So I looked at these tapes, and Vern was there, and he says, you know, get, you know, he helped me pick out which one to to buy. Anyway, I bought this Colt and. You know, not having a whole lot of money, but it was an investment, and it, w it was a really good investment. So I brought him back, and I trained him myself, and I would call these guys once in a while, because I'm, I'm very excited here from Rainers back then in Cape Breton, and um, uh, I would ask, you know, you know, what about this? And I remember someone saying, you know, I, I said, he's not... He's not spinning real good. He's, he's moving his hind end a little bit. Just keep working on it. Don't try to push too hard or whatever. And uh, it was kind of online training back then. <laughs> and, uh, so I ended up going to Oklahoma in '97 with uh, Jay's Flashy Jack, and he was uh, he was uh, by Francois Stallion Boogie's Flashy Jack. Wow. And um, uh, so I ended up going down to North Carolina with my son and I, we got a motor home I, and my husband and I and off we went and I went down there for two and a half months and trained and got to ride a bunch of horses at Francois and um, and then we went to uh, Oklahoma and I got to meet and got to ride in the Reno where Tim McQuay was and all his boys and they're training in this big place and you were living the dream you were living yeah. the dream that's a dream like <laughs> yeah so then yeah then we went to to the fraternity and uh, th that that time there was over 500 entries in the open division and uh, Jack and I I mean it's not big but we placed 110th out of 500 but Francois says you know you stayed on pattern you know there's yeah. a lot of big yeah. guys that didn't you know, yeah. so I, I was I was pretty thrilled with just the experience and you know, to, to be there and 
Well, I'll let you in on a little secret. I, I think it's pretty impressive. And uh, just looking at some of the stuff about that, you know, you talking about going to the NRHA, NRHA fraternity, uh, you know, for some people, that's a career highlight and it's something that people sit around and they dream about doing, you know, being in, in those big arenas and, you know, going in, right? And like listening yeah. to the, yeah, woo, right? For your, <laughs> well, and it's, it's a dream. Right, but- yeah, I, I was walking into the arena and it says Gateway of Champions overhead and I go, oh my God, the last time I sewed this coat was in North Sydney. <laughs> yeah, and look where you were. And, and, and the biggest thing for me was I had never shown in a pen with, uh, you know, like six people on my left and four people on my right, you know, like each judge had a scribe. And, oh. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah. That might just think about it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Like. Yeah. Like. Congratulations on that and all the things that you've done and achieved. And you know what? Um, part part of the reason that um, I I'm really passionate about doing what I'm doing about this mm-hmm. is so that people can understand. Like, uh, you know, for me personally, and I let you in on a little secret. That is that is a dream of mine. Like, you know, you're sitting down, and if you're watching it on a TV or computer screen or your phone, and you're watching those runs go, and I've recently gotten really uh, interested in uh, Rain Cow Horse. I just love it. Um, but one of my one of my students just won the Hackamore. Oh, really? down in texas oh yeah Yeah. just beautiful it's a beautiful sport anything to do with the equestrian industry even dressage is something that i love but uh but for for some people what you've done and you've already achieved back then with with jack is like that's a dream and it's you know that's your holly that's your career that's your that's your mark that you made like i'm i'm done mic out right mic down drop that (laughs) drop the mic or whatever yeah before the internet (laughs) yeah exactly so yeah it's and you you've you've done other things since then like you've competed like on a regular basis as well like as you went through you're competing and you're coaching and you're mentoring all these other young women i mean so at so at what point did you ever think that like well i'm not going to do this anymore is that ever been something that you've thought about like the mentoring and the coaching and the competitive how did you balance all that um well, after Jack, you know, I, I, what I ended up doing was I ended up training a lot of colts and a lot of horses. I trained horses for people, and I think I continued my education with that. I, I sure wish I had Jay Slashy Jack now and knew what I, you know, knew then. But, but uh, yeah, I continued my education with that. The more I taught, the more I learned. And um, so I ended up raising babies and sell them to my students and train them and uh, when I took a team to Quebec one year for the Canadian Championships and all four horses on the team were by my stud wow. and it, it just happened that way they were, you know and um, so so then uh, you know as that went on and I, I uh, started training horses for uh, Sumac that's why I met my my dear friend Ronis Thompson she runs Sumac and Glasgow and uh, it's uh, you know I kind of got her involved and now she's she's breeding you know world-class riding horses and uh, so I like my whole plan was to build riding in the Maritimes really that's mm-hmm. that's what I that was my goal and then uh, on one of our trips Ronis got a call and uh, from Matt Hudson he's selling this gunner mare and 
was always my dream to have a gunner because I, I showed a horse years and years ago by Mr. Gunsmoke. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, uh, I bought the mare and Matt had started her and I finished her and, and in 2014 we were eighth in the world in wow. limited open. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So she she really highlighted my career, this mayor, mm-hmm. and I still have her. I still have Jack too, but yeah. um, uh, with this mayor, I, I did that. But then I had a couple of accidents. I uh, I was I got I was down at Francoise and picking up a horse, and I got thrown and a punctured lung and broke all my ribs and my left leg. Everything was all busted up. <laughs> Real, real cowgirl stuff. That's the real cowgirl yeah. stuff. <laughs> so that slowed me down. And there's a couple other bumps in the road. And that's when I decided I was going to stop training horses as such for, you know, to, for the public. And I, yeah. But I kept training my own and right. a couple here. And, um, yeah, so when I lost my barn, it was another thing that, that has happened to yeah. me. And in, in the, the year that I was showing my Annie that uh, done smoking in Hollywood is the mayor's name that did so well at placing. Um, that year I lost my indoor arena to snow load. Yeah. On the, and then I, I was at a horse show with her and uh, lost my uh, horse trailer. Really good horse trailer, the bottom let go. And oh no. And, yeah, on the highway. <laughs> I was going along and I could see smoke coming, but just luckily, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by good angels, that's for sure. And, yeah. And uh, so then uh, that's, every time I'd go to a show with my good bear, we'd win and get a big check. I'd come home and there'd be something that would happen. And uh, one other little dog, Black Russell, we lost him when I came home. Another was uh, an old lesson horse that we had for years. He broke his leg. And, Everything just kept, but then that year she won eight in the world, so it was a little bittersweet. Yeah, I'd say. I lost track. What was your question? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think I think you definitely answered it. But I'm gonna go back over and just ask you one question. When you think about all that, you think about the change. Uh, and you know balancing all that stuff in your life the coach being uh, you know a competitive person out in the equine world and traveling in and out and all that stuff is there anything in in that early stage part of your life that you would go back and say hey you know if you could be you tap yourself on the shoulder and say hey can I just give you one piece of advice is there anything that you would say to yourself back then that would have been like you know like for example it's going to get a lot sweeter just hang in there or something like that did you ever do you ever feel like there's something that you would love to say to yourself back then um no i i, I can't think of anything right offhand and everything kind of like when it happened when a bad experience happened or a good experience i just move on to the next mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. i i try not to look back yeah that's good. That's that's excellent. Yeah. Well, there's nothing you can do about what's behind us, no. right? So yeah. No, uh, yeah. It's all like my whole life. Uh, you know, I, I'm at a certain part in this journey, and and uh, mm-hmm. I have had some great horses and great people around me, and I've learned a lot. But I've got two grandchildren now, and that's mm. that's been my and I'm that's my destination of those two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so tell tell me a little bit about your your personal life, your family life 
as being a coach and a horse trainer and all this stuff, um, you know, as you've gone through it all, when you started off at 18 years of age uh, as a full-time trainer, uh, you know, obviously your focus is there and you can work, you know, the 20 hours a day that we we punch in. And then when you became a mom and other things in your life happen and you, you get out competitively, um, what some of the things that that have changed for you now that that part of your life has now changed again? So you have a your son has grown and gone, and you have a couple grandbabies. Is there a lot more freedom in there in your time? Um, a, a little bit. I still keep myself quite busy, but I mean, uh, through this whole thing, I mean, my my parents uh, ended up living up here on the farm with us, and and uh, I looked after my mom when she was very sick, and and uh, my dad. Uh, he, he kind of went more sudden and uh, then uh, that, that was a really probably the hardest time yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, as you know it's hard losing your parents you know? yeah yeah it is um, yeah and uh, but uh, then I, I couldn't have done all this without my husband like he's he he's a pretty special me. guy yeah I, I, I love him he's fantastic he's funny he's such a funny guy <laughs> oh funny <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so he's been a police officer for a long, long time, since 1980, and he's wow. looking at retiring now. He's still working, but uh, um, yeah, he I couldn't have done any of this without him and his support. You know, like even now, like I don't have my arena, but he gets up there and he'll drag the back ring and mm -hmm. uh, plow the snow off it now, oh. and, and you know, he's always fixing things, and yeah, he's, uh, he's been my support for sure. Yeah. And that's a big part of all of what we're doing, you know, and I think, uh, again, I'll go back to a little bit about why I'm, I'm doing this and having everybody on here and giving, um, you know, our Canadian cowgirls from the East Coast to the West Coast a little bit of a voice. And it doesn't matter if uh, you're, you know, seasoned uh, person and you've grown up on a ranch or if you're... Uh, just wanting to become a horse trainer and you're you're 17 years old um, I think it's important for us to all connect and support each other and you know especially in today's times with uh, what's going on in the world with the pandemic um, yes. we all have we've we, we've all fortunately or unfortunately have had to slow down and um, see things a little differently and that's kind of a little bit about my horsemanship philosophy and how I feel about that um, so, in, in we'll get to that point too. Is just so. Would you like to be able to share with our audience a little bit about your horsemanship philosophy? So, what does it look like if someone, um, when you look at a client that's standing in front of you that you're teaching or you're training, uh, and you're watching them evolve um, as a rider, uh, what what does it look like your philosophy when you're teaching that person? Well. I, as I say, I don't train horses myself anymore as such, you know, I train the odd one here and there, but not like six, seven horses like I used to a day. Um, but uh, when I look at a student and uh, I watch them, I usually can find there's probably one thing that they may be weak at or strong at, but uh, if it's something that they're weak at, I'll, you know, we'll work on that. And, and uh, that usually seems to help everything else that they do with their horse. And um, they, uh, as I see them grow and, and get better, like there's one young girl, she's got a mare and the mare's a bit feely and reactive and she's just a green rider but uh, you know working with her here the other day it was just like wow she is learning to ride like it's there's always that moment where you go okay she's she's got this now you know <laughs> yeah 
and uh, you see them doing things that they you don't have to tell them to do it. But I remember um, teaching years ago, and I had one of my students, and if she hears this, she'll know who it is. <laughs> uh, she, I remember her saying to me, um, I, I don't know what to do when I'm not in a lesson. And that's when I learned, like, I have to teach my students to be independent, to think for themselves and, and you know, be aware of what the horse is doing and yeah. look after themselves on the horse. Yeah. 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 And, so, and that's one of the things that um, that's beautiful. I, I love that philosophy, that idea of how you're connecting with your, your customers, your clients, and uh, they become your family. They become your friends, right? Oh, yeah. And yes, you very take, much. Yeah, you take it personal. So when you see that, and you're like, oh, you know, in your own mind without saying it out loud, there you go. You're getting it. Um, yes. Those are those are beautiful moments, and that's that's what it's all worth, right? That's what it's for to get that feeling and like, ah, oh, I did something great here, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you you've had you've had like a multitude of uh, students and and people come in and out of your life, you know, from what you've done and going out uh, to the U.S. and competing and stuff like that. You've met tons of different people along the way. Um, yes. You yeah. experience all those different things that happen at home base, at home, and with your family and stuff. Um, as a as a professional trainer and as a, as a judge and stuff, right now, would you say there was anything that was a real pinpoint, like a specific thing that evolved you as a horse trainer, like something that really just okay stopped you completely in your tracks and said, okay, I can't do that anymore. I have to do this. Yeah, well, I, I was very lucky and very particular with who I, I, I trained with, and uh, I got to, uh, I find as I look back, you know, there's, like, I could, I could tell you, when I'm teaching someone, I could tell them, you know, what I learned from a certain trainer, like, I mean, uh, like, over the years, I got, I got to learn a lead change from Bob Anthony okay. back in the 70s, um, like, he's one of the legendary greats, like, back back then and it was just to be able to say that I got to ride with him was amazing mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, um, I think I was very young when I when I figured that out it was uh, like I, I always rode to try and make the horse do it okay. I was like I think back in my younger years like always you know never allowing the horse to make a mistake and I got to ride with them um, Sophie Lavadier put me on to uh, her, the guy who was, she was training with. His name is Keitan Goche, yes. and uh, he trained many great people. And uh, I remember just learning to let the let the mistake happen, yeah. and when the mistake happens, bring the horse back. And 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 it slowed me down. And and when I learned that, I learned to just enjoy the ride and <laughs> take my time and think about it instead of you know I gotta get this done. I gotta get this horse to do this like you can't do that anymore yeah 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 no yeah. that's kind of cool when you as you were describing that how you felt it kind of made me think of a funny analogy that i could use at my clinics but it's like me driving on the highway headed from here to out west or something and missing my turn like missing my ramp oh well yes. there's nothing i can do i gotta keep <laughs> keep going get turned yeah. around and go back it's no big deal just keep going yeah. and if yeah, you, yeah i'll tell you that's happened to me quite a few times <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's the point of getting all worked up about it? Yeah. Oh my God, Mona, yeah. it's been it's been such a pleasure talking to you and uh, having you on. And uh, you know, when I first started doing this, and I I sat down and I started to create the the bucket list of uh, great women that I wanted to have on here, you were one of the first ones. 
Um, well, thanks. Well, I, it's yeah. Great to hear that. Yeah. Kind of, I don't know what to say about something like that. <laughs> you know what? And and that's one of the things that I I truly loved about you. That first time you had me in your house and just, you know, having tea and stuff like that. I I didn't want to leave. It was such a great <laughs> feeling to be around someone like you. And then the experiences that you shared with me and. Um, you know, you're just a genuine person, and I think it's really important. Uh, we're, we're all doing stuff in our lives in general, and, and, and then in the horse world, and then in, um, you know, in a general form. One of the things that I love about the reason why I'm doing this is because I've met some great people along the way, but there's so many that I haven't. And um, there, there's everybody has a story, everybody has a story, everybody has a journey, and there's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of people like yourself or like me that are just kind of humble, just happy to do what we're doing. And you have an opportunity to share some really amazing things, whether it's your stories or training tips and stuff like that. And the, the knowledge and all the experiences that you've experienced. Um, all you know, I, I, as you say that, I think about, you know, showing all these years and I tell you, people and I've never told anybody this but for years I, I would just did it because I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed every minute of it, and and when I had my got my good mare, and I'm going in the room, and I, you know, my last show she scored a 73, and I wanna, you know, I, I have a little bit of pressure on, and I know I got a good horse here. That was the first time I really made myself become competitive and like, ah, get in there and do it. <laughs> so so it's <laughs> I, I I learned that I was like. I can do this. I, you know, I don't have to be, uh, you know, I, you know, I enjoy every minute of it. But if I just push a little bit more, you can get that, that little bit more out of your horse. Yeah, that, that, and that's that's a thing I kind of said to you too about doing this. It's right on the other side of where you feel nervous and fear. That 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 feeling on the other side. That's that place that you need to be. That's it's drawing yes. you to there, and you know, and that, that's why. Just to even go back to you going and competing at the NRAJ. I mean, in general, I mean, I I I get kind of like that butterflies, that feeling every time I go into a ring for anything. So, I think that's really great. And I had someone really special in my life, Barbara Schulte, uh, tell yeah. me that fear fear is a very healthy thing, and uh, all the things that we do as cowgirls here in Canada, and how we are, and how resilient we are, and how we persevere, and we just push through because we can, and and we we've had great people around us, our family, our friends, and great horses, it gives us that reason to get up and do it again. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's been a good life. Yeah, yeah, it is, and so much more left to go. So one question I have left is, I'm going to throwing out a favorite question just specifically for you. What's one thing that you think is the best part about being a cowgirl and living the lifestyle of a cowgirl that's unique to just cowgirl lifestyle? Well, I guess being my own boss, I've been my own boss my whole life. It has its ups and downs. I mean, you you actually do work harder for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you expect a lot from others that, that are working for you or training with you. You, you know, you kind of expect them to, to kind of, you know, fill in for what, what you what you want them to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, I really, uh, really think that uh, yeah. just gotta work hard and give it your best shot. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, Mona, I got to say, I, I am so thrilled, um, you know, and I think that I think you and I could probably talk for, for forever and, uh, and and throw some you know stories around about broken bones, rib cages, and this horse and that. And I think we have in the past a little bit. I think we found ourselves in the wee hours of the night doing that. But I loved having you on. And um, you know, when this pandemic is over, um, uh, the the reason I started off doing the Cowgirl Channel of Canada was is that. Uh, once I actually got out and back on the road again, touring around, that I would do these things in person. Uh, but with all the lockdowns and everything now, uh, I'm doing what I'm being dealt with. And uh, so I'm doing it this way. But I would sure love to, when I get back out to the East Coast, come visit with you guys out in Cockheath Hills and um, in Cape Breton. Uh, because yes. it's uh, dearer to me to be on the East Coast for sure. And sit down and we'll do a, like a film live interview from the firm. How do you feel about that? Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, right now, you talk about broken bones. Well, I just, I've had a, got a new knee replacement. I'm sitting on a treadmill while I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, congratulations, by the way, on that. Because I remember the last time we were talking about that and, and when I was out and we were looking at that Liberty Horsemanship about uh, you talking about that, you know, that restriction about that and i love to hear that you're back in the saddle again riding yeah. and and go girl yes yes uh no don't don't let things like that stop you just you keep on going yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> awesome well lauren it's been really nice chat with you it's uh you know we always have some good conversation and, uh, yeah. and yeah i hope you can get out here sometime yes thank you so much it's wonderful thank you To find out more about the National Reining Horse Association, please visit their website at nrha.com. To rein a horse is not only to guide him, but also to control his every movement. The best reined horse should be willingly guided or controlled with little or no apparent resistance and dictated to completely.